T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Believe it or not, Jason isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hi, Jason. Uh, this is Matt Spiegel. I host a radio show called Hit and Run. You're supposed to be on right now. I'm here with uh, somebody else. Hey, wake up. Where are you? <laughs> we, I think he's sleeping. He did Korean baseball in the morning. And I understand. He's busy. He's frazzled. We really just wanted to call to say it's okay. Okay, try it again. Try it again. Here's, here's the list of things that I've been watching recently, and you can make a judgment on how highbrow or lowbrow I am. Uh, I've been re-watching Wings from the 90s. Oh. The, yeah, the airport show in Nantucket. The uh, scene where Tony Shalhoub is learning to play the guitar, and he's humming. Um, and then he starts singing... My goat knows the bowling score. My goat knows the bowling score. And they're like, no, no, Antonio, that's not it. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. You know, undiscussed in that conversation, and really any time since in all my dealings with Jason Benetti, is why would the goat want to know the bowling score? I mean, what what interest does the goat have in the bowling score? Is he following along? Is he a big fan? Does, does he bowl himself? I have questions, Jason. Uh, the, go- the goat wants to know the bowling score uh, because he's curious and he's interested in the world and uh, like data. Yeah. So, yeah, we like the goat, and we want the goat to be on our planet. <laughs> the goat is pro-information. He's pro-data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes all the sense in the world. He is the voice of the Chicago White Sox. Should they play some games this year, you will hear this man and see this man on the television. Jason, good morning, and thank you for both waking up and the wonderful picture you sent as evidence of, of the alarm that was set for 10.52 this morning. That's quick turnaround. So I've got, let's see, it's 11.02. I've got 10 minutes of, um, uh, of awake uh, time here from Jason Benetti. You should be perky, and this is top-notch Benetti I'm getting right here, I think. Do I sound perky? Uh, so here's what I like about this segment already. You went comment before introduction. It was like it was like the cold open to the interview. Yes. 
Yes. I like that. Well, I mean, let's let's not pretend that we're not in touch and just in the middle of a long conversation. That's actually that's actually my favorite thing. Dave Miska once said that about Les Grobstein. It's my favorite description maybe of anybody ever. Dave thinks he's been in the same conversation with Les Grobstein for 25 years. Just every time he sees him, <laughs> Les just picks it up exactly where he left off, which is the perfect way to describe those interactions, I think. Well, it'll be different, though, starting starting now because uh, the conversation won't go as long because in the 10th, you get a runner at second. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue. What do we... No, no, it's not a perfect segue. What, what has your involvement been so far with a couple of days of workouts? I, I must admit, I have not seen a picture of you and Stoney over at the ballpark. I did see Len and JD over there, but they've got a, a big old network that they're trying to do as well. Have, have, you been, have you been by there yet, Jason? I have not. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wait until uh, I'm needed over there simply because any more time in the ballpark is time where that's an extra person in the ballpark. I mean, I, like, I, I would be happy to go watch the workouts. Uh, if we were doing shows, I'd be there to do it. But, uh, you know, and, and just in the name of safety, yeah. uh, being, being in and alone when I'm not necessary and not essential, it seems like the right thing to do. I've been, I've been on a bunch of Zoom calls with players and with Ricky Renteria, uh, and media availabilities and things like that. So I'm not I'm not uh, sleeping through everything uh, in life right now. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, look, there, there's there's a little bit of um, I I would love to be over there. And if it were a different time, like spring training, I'm over at the complex every day and talking to players and all that. But right now, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like the right thing to do to me. Yeah, it, it's a very personal thing. I got to say, when, when we were talking yesterday, Bruce and I, and he was talking about the atmosphere at the ballparks and the limited number, I, I have envy. I would like to be there. And I, I, I think I would probably jump at the opportunity um, to do so, and, and, and I'll, I'll probably get it. But it's like, it's a very personal thing, and it's weird to even have to think about. And, of course, you are dependent on everybody else's um, level of care and level of attention and the precautions of organizations and the science that we know about the thing. I, I never wanted to be an amateur epidemiologist, Jason. Mm -hmm. I never, I never checked that box. And yet here we are. Yeah, well, here we are. Here we are. The other, the other component is, you know, I, I have to be, um, I mean, I, I have a TV crew to be responsible for. I still don't know exactly how many people are going to be in our booth or what the setup's going to be for me and Stoney. Mm. But Stoney is twice my age, and I have to be responsible for him, and he has to be responsible for me. And so the fewer people we see up until that first game we do, I just I think it's really important. And that's nothing against anybody else in the world, right? It's just simply... You don't know if you have it if you haven't been tested because asymptomatic people can carry it. That's it. Like, that's the end of the line. It's nothing against anybody or any public place or whatever it might be. I just, if I have the ability to, to not be around people, I'm going to do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's understandable. And that's why when people opt out, um, it's a hell of a pitching staff for the all-opt-out team. Uh, start with mm -hmm. David Price, then you go to Mike Leake. Um, and then the Ross brothers, you could piggyback them, I suppose, in a game if you wanted to. I, I, I joke about that. I would never joke about the all-virus team, and I probably shouldn't be joking about the all-opt-out team, but I can't help myself because it's a, it's a dark and, 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 and bleak time. I, I, 
you know, it's so weird because I think the answer still is one team being unable to field a competitive roster. I think that's still like the numbers could grow the si- the importance of the players. I mean, does it get much bigger than Freddie Freeman? Uh, a, you know, the best player on a big market contender who's absolutely in go for it mode. I don't know. I mean, obviously there are bigger names, but I don't know that it gets much bigger than that kind of player. So I, I, I no. feel like it's, I feel like it's still one team unable to do it or unwilling to do it. Well, yeah, and that's where the context is really important. And, and you, you and Len were joking around about me sleeping through the alarm last week because of Korean baseball, but that's what I do on the weekends is I do KBO games. And I was talking to our KBO insider, this guy Daniel Kim, who's phenomenal, great reporter. And, and it still is with the KBO. If you have a positive test, they're shutting down the league. One positive test. And, and there are some people out here celebrating 1.2% of the intake, whatever that was uh, recently. Like, this is, this, this is a serious illness that this virus can create. And so we are playing in a different arena than they are over in South Korea. One positive test there, the whole thing's shutting down. We have assumed more risk in the United States for our athletes uh, simply because, you know, South Korea's got like 50 cases in a day and they consider that a spike here you know you get you get thousands of cases in one state and everybody's like well maybe we can still play i'm not saying one or the other but i am saying that our response to this uh federally has been so bad that we leave a bunch of people with the decisions that come from the trickle down of of mistakes yeah yeah the the kind of decisions that you and I are debating about whether to go someplace or not uh, based on work. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those kind of decisions are just they're massive. And now the very wearing of a mask itself is is being talked about as a decision or some kind of political football. It's, it's inescapable to talk about it on that level because uh, science and facts have, have turned into that. And you end up having no choice but to but to point that out if you're having a rational conversation about it why do you suppose in in the korean culture it worked so well obviously the consistency of the federal response is one thing is it also just a culture of obedience or was there any other messaging that was effective that uh that that we can wish that we had had you know it it just seems like it seems like there's there's more of a unity over there of of thought uh Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's good sometimes it's but like we we can uh, they uh, it's another one of those issues where your philosophy on life pervades uh, the way you're going to see a sporting situation. So we, we could have a town hall about this and it would last five hours. So there's no real answer. I mean, people can be mad or they can be glad that baseball's back or whatever it might be or say, well, you know, there's going to be risk and we just have to live with it. Uh, my response would be we didn't necessarily have to live with it because other countries aren't living with it in the same way that we are. And that's just absolutely factual. Um, but but then, you know, as we talk about baseball, I do think we have to be allowed to talk about baseball discourse wise. And that's not to say that we have to be callous about it. Right. These are people getting COVID-19, not the star, whatever position it is. Right. They're people getting this. And as we saw from Freddie Freeman's wife's post, Mm. uh, it can very deeply affect the family. However, you know, if we are going to have a season and it looks like at this point we're going to have a season, we do have to talk about things like, hey, competitively, 
if a bunch of people get COVID-19, what does that do, number one, to the schedule, but number two, to their chances of winning ball games? I mean, yeah. you take Freddie Freeman out, that's a huge bat that's out of the lineup. And so I know there are going to be people out there who say, well, it's callous to talk about this in baseball terms when somebody has a severe virus like that. Uh, if we're going to have a season, we do have to be allowed to talk in baseball terms as well because there are going to be people who disappear from the lineup, and, and that's going to affect the fortunes of the season. So uh, I do think that needs to be able to be sanctioned in the public discourse too. Yeah, I, I find myself wondering, A, how much roster turnover – we might see if we indeed played 60 games, would we see one team use 60 people, 50, you know, all 50 people, everybody that's there, would they do that and cycle through? Um, and what's the highest number we've ever had for a team? Like I find myself with those kind of questions because I'm trying to give some sort of context. Speaking of that, a caller asked me earlier how we would look back on this in 10 years. If we get 60 games in and we get a full postseason and a world series, obviously, the playoff pool will not be looked at as legitimate and it shouldn't, but who emerges from the playoff pool has always been a different test than who makes the playoff pool. So there's got to be a way to contextualize that if it is a team that we think might've made the playoff pool anyway, I think it's going to feel pretty damn legitimate. If they're a world series champion, am I crazy? No, it depends on what you think, right? I mean, it depends on how you see the game of baseball uh, and it is, yes, it is callous to say, well, you know, some teams are better equipped for this because they have more resolve, whatever, like that. That's not true. But I do think the teams, if, if we're talking, like a year ago when I would go into a college football town and talk to a team or a player who was dealing with some sort of mini crisis, it was like, well, we turned off social media and we focused. Like I had Penn State after their first loss last year. And it was like, we turned off social media, we're locked in, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, those are things that we talked about that are superficial in a team environment. Now, we're literally talking about the health and safety of the people around you and their families. And so if you can't, uh, for 60 days, not go out to eat, not break the protocols, all this stuff, uh, and, and you have a positive test that comes from some slightly to moderately reckless behavior, mm-hmm. that's going to say something about you as a team, whether it should or not. But, but now, you know, we used to talk about, oh, we're off Twitter for the last week, or Carlos Santana, you know, we joked for, for the last couple of years about Santana walking into the clubhouse with a bat because he was sick of so much Fortnite being played. Well, this is that on absolute volcanic steroids. Uh, because if you, if you don't trust your teammates, yeah. you are going to be insecure to unhealthy by the end of the season about the environment that you're in. Man, that's so true. That's so true. Talking about about trusting the, the teammate and really believing they have your back and and believing that you share the same kind of focus and the same kind of moral compass within the competitive structure has just been expanded to insane levels. And And, and the fact that a manager's job now and Ricky Renteria has stepped up and discussed this. A manager's job includes making sure his guys enforce the protocols and stay separate. That White Sox clubhouse, Jason, I was so struck by it. Even just one day at Camelback in March. These guys 
so ebullient, um, so warm with each other across different levels and portions of the clubhouse. That is a really close-knit, excitable group, and it's a, going to be a challenge that Ricky will have to help them master in dealing with these protocols. And every manager across the country who's not an epidemiologist is going to be uh, in charge of making sure that people understand this and have information. And like, this is the this is the really interesting intersection of baseball because baseball does lean right, uh, in my experience, in terms of political ideology, and uh, like you can say it's not that big of a threat or it's a hoax or whatever you want to say about COVID-19 until you take a test that says you're positive and then you can't play the game you love. So at that point, the conspiratorial thinking really pretty much has to go away because science said you have this thing and you're probably going to get some symptoms of it. So I'm just really interested in the way that it shapes thought in a baseball clubhouse this year because again there are going to be some people who get this who didn't really believe that it was as much of a threat as it actually is or it it was specifically to them because they got it right so i I just i I really wonder what those clubhouses are going to be like in terms of curiosity and in terms of people saying well you know, I know, I know there are going to be people in baseball who show up to the clubhouse on day one and they're like laughing and joking and they think it's ridiculous that they have to wear a mask. Yeah. If that specific person gets COVID-19, which nobody, nobody is wishing on anybody, I just wonder what the calculus is like uh, for that person and for the friends who think that way about COVID-19. Yeah, it's, um, it's ridiculous that we are here on July 5th Still having those kind of conversations. It was March when Rudy Gobert one day touched every recorder on the on the the, the media table, and trying to flaunt his his lack of belief, and then tested positive. What the next day? Two days later? I mean, that's it's it's March, and yet here we are. And you're absolutely right. My fear is, Jason, that like a like a flow chart, they, the people who are demeaning the reality of the virus will move down to demeaning the reality of what it can do to the young and healthy and then moving down to the reality of what it can can do to the the elderly like they'll just keep finding uh, a new uh, a new branch of of that river to demean you know what i mean that's my fear yeah well and that's why you know it's it, it it's so hard to talk about this in terms that are uh, cross-sectional because there, there's just so much of a difference of opinion. And that's why when you say, how will we see the champion? Will the champion be legitimate after this year? I bet you I could put a basket of people together from the South that are going to see it totally different than people from the Midwest and then the yeah. West Coast and the East Coast. I mean, uh, there's just no unity in terms of thought, and that's the difference between the U.S. right now and South Korea, and that rugged individualism gets to a lot of things in the United States. It gets inventiveness and it gets wealth and all of that. But in the case of uh, an emergency, like a serious crisis, it ends up with poorer numbers than other countries and that's just a fact like i i know it's stick to sports for some people it is sports when i'm watching yeah when i'm watching korean baseball from my living room and calling it from my living room 
and they have one positive test via shutdown situation. And when in the United States we have 1.2 percent of intake and we're celebrating that because it's lower than the 7 percent positivity rate in the NBA bubble, we're playing by different rules. Yeah, I, 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 I said earlier this morning that we, we as a nation are looked at globally. We're kind of like the Mark Trestman Bears, but just a little more deadly. You know, it's like that that three week period when the Bears gave up a 50 burger to the Patriots and then had a buy and then 50 more to Green Bay. And we were a national embarrassment and it, uh, it enabled change. That's kind of where we are as a country. All right, Jason, I'm going to make the very natural segue now. To, um, to comparing ballplayers to absolutely anything in our culture. I think it's a very natural and obvious segue to uh, something that you and I have been enjoying and doing called Good Comp, Bad Comp, um, where scouts' focus has been too narrow, and, and we are helping them broaden the scope. And I think we've helped them realize that Ricky Henderson is more like Prince than he is any other ball player, more like the singer Prince. I think we've helped them understand that Bartolo Colon is more like the McDonald's Shamrock Shake than he is any other pitcher in the history of the game. I feel like we've performed a service so far. Do you? Uh, we continue to perform a service on a weekly basis. Uh, and and I'm here, here's what, where my mind lies on this, is that you, you end up, comparing things that are just so easy to compare that it hems you in mentally. It's just, it's not fun in any way, shape or form. But when, when you can compare a player to a a Russian uh, shovel, or I can compare Mike Trout to the big Lebowski, one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh uh, We are, we, uh, the fun part is, you can uh, you can find facts that you did not know. As we research these things, there's always one or two things about a player that I know pretty well that I had no idea. I did not know Mike Trout bowled a 300 in high school and like ran to the phone to call his mom and say, <laughs> I bowled a 300. I just love that. It's so earnest by yes. Mike Trout, right? Yes, yes. It, 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 is, it is lovely. And as you pointed out in the, uh, in, in the bit, his parents are his per- are his his business managers. He's like, who else am I going to trust? These are my guys. Come on, help me out here. I love that. Yeah, I mean, this week the the comps of of Mike Trout to either Steve Martin or the Big Lebowski. This is the toughest one yet, I think, yeah. and I think it's going to be the closest vote yet mm-hmm. because they're both, I think, really solid comparisons. Mine is obviously better, and yeah. I've been listening to. Uh, the first edition just dropped in to see what condition my condition is in since we did the comparison. It's just on loop in my brain. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been grand fun. And, and your nephew, Jack uh, McMullen, uh, who's a recent graduate of Syracuse has done a wonderful job editing now. Like, so we've got a, We've got the two boxes of us. And then there's a third box, which has pictures that Jack puts in or standings or whatever it might be. Yeah. Now the box has a mind of its own and is making fun of you for looking the wrong direction. At that my was box. the best. That was the best. That was the best. Cause on my screen, it looked like you were on my left. So I point at you and then on the finished product, you're on your right. And you just had the box say wrong way, Matt. I mean, this is, this is, is that not 2020 that a zoom box has developed a mind of its own and is an active yeah. participant in the bit. <laughs> and not only a mind of its own, but it's salty. Right? <laughs> like even the zoom box hates life. <laughs> and it's throwing barbs at people, right? Like 
the Zoom box is like a Karen bit. Hey, simmer down, Zoom box. All right? Yeah. You, you you put it back in your pants, Zoom box. Um, all right, all right, Jay. <laughs> let that let that be the quote that ends the ends the conversation. Jason, you're the best. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Go back can to just, sleep. Can I can I just update you before I go on yes. what I'm watching? I am in season five of uh, perfect strangers so if you if you can for next time just have balky saying don't be ridiculous or something when i come on that would be great yeah all right we're on it sean were you listening if we haven't lost sean i'm sure it'll be taken care of thank you jason of course not don't be ridiculous you're the best that's Jason Benetti. Let's take a break and come back, and I want you to hear um, Mike Trout's comparisons in Good Comp, Bad Comp. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Has a team ever just given up and said we quit? How would you feel about that if your teammates We hope our audience together. has not got to that point. Oh, look at this defense. from Trout. Garcia's not going to have a play. Oh, my Trout God. That's Trout. It is. Swimming upstream, avoiding all the flies, and sending one ricocheting through the universe. The steampunk version of Pomp and Circumstance is the theme music for Good Comp, Bad Comp, an intellectually invigorating exercise in which Jason Benetti and I compare a ball player to absolutely anything. They can all be found on YouTube at Good Comp, Bad Comp. I just tweeted the link a matter of moments ago, and they're also available on my website at mattspiegel.com. Here is Jason and I comparing Mike Trout, the undisputed best player in baseball, undisputed best player in baseball, to absolutely anything. I get to go first. Mike Trout is almost exactly like the brilliant comedian, actor, author, filmmaker, and musician, Steve Martin. In his late 20s, Mike Trout is at the peak of his profession, the biggest star in the game. In his late 20s, Steve Martin was at the peak of his profession, the biggest stand-up comedian in the world. Excuse me, he was a wild and crazy guy and filled arenas by age 28. If he were to quit today, Mike Trout is already one of the greatest ball players of all time. He has a higher career wins above replacement than more than 70% of the players in the Hall of Fame. Martin quit stand-up in 1981 and was still voted number six all time in a Comedy Central poll of stand-up comedians based on that era of his life alone. Trout can do everything on the field, keeps getting better, worked diligently to improve his routes in the outfield and is now one of the game's very best. Even at his peak, 
Steve Martin worked diligently to become a leading man, a comedic star of brilliant films like The Jerk, directed by the late, great Carl Reiner, and eventually a leading dramatic man, The Spanish Prisoner. Come on, brilliant. Trout is the best at every skill there is in the game, just keeps adding to the repertoire and resume. Steve Martin's life in the entertainment game expanded to see him become a highly skilled magician, a writer of novels, a memoir, stage plays, and an excellent bluegrass musician on both banjo and piano. Who knows what Mike Trout's future holds? He's already Mike Trout. In the future, he might become a bullpen specialist that plays into his 40s. You know he's going to be eventually the long drive champion in golf. Maybe he's Mike Trout, tattoo ink master. Maybe he's going to win the great British baking show. We don't know. But you do know that Trout's hair will one day turn a spectacular, consistent, dashing shade of white. Man, the phone books are here. <laughs> this is tough. That hurts. Man, that's real good. And that's why, like, you know, what is this? This booze day on good comp, bad comp? Nobody told you? I meant to tell you. Hang on. I hinted at it. Here's the thing. Uh, when you're not traveling and you're used to traveling a lot, you got to do something with a little airplane bourbons. So we got, <laughs> we got a little airplane bourbon for you, just in case here on Good Comp, Bad Comp. At least you're covered. You're not supposed to take these with the cap on anymore. That's like, uh, this is like illicit stuff. They don't tell Jason Benetti what to do. <laughs> Nobody does. They do now. They tell me stay home. Uh, here we go. Uh, Mike Trout is very similar to the Big Lebowski. Ooh. The Coen Brothers classic, The Big Lebowski. We know the dude abides. Mike Trout is the dude, and Major League Baseball abides by him. Big Lebowski is set in Los Angeles. Mike Trout plays near Los Angeles. Uh, if you read the first reviews of The Big Lebowski, it was critically undersold at first. Mike Trout was drafted late first round, and he's just the best now, and people somewhat don't want to admit it. Mookie Betts or Mike Trout? Come on. I love Mookie Betts, but Mike Trout's the best player. Family production. Big Lebowski. Coen Brothers. Mike Trout's business managers are his parents. He is a family production. The dude is loosely based on a friend of a friend of the Cullen brothers from their softball league. Mike Trout plays baseball. Uh, that checks out. That checks out, by the way. Thank you. What an analogy. Mike Trout loves the Eagles. Loves the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a huge fan. In the Big Lebowski, there are very strong feelings about the Eagles. <laughs> Not love, but as strong of feelings. Uh, Big Lebowski is all about bowling, set in a bowling alley, but it's a truly thoughtful movie. Like, a, just sort of blue-collar, but very thoughtful. Mike Trout's the same way. And, and with bowling being the setting, you need to know that Mike Trout once bowled a 300 in high school and called his mom and was like, guess what happened, mom? And she kind of freaked out. And he was like, I bowled a 300. Mike Trout is a great bowler. The Big Lebowski is all about bowling. The dude abides and so should you. That is good comp, bad comp. And you can vote on it. At my Twitter feed, at Matt Spiegel 670 who got it 
more correct. I nailed it with Steve Martin, man. I'm sorry. Absolutely nailed it. The, the, the comp that, that closes it is that Trout is one of the best all-time already at age 28. And Martin quit. I think he was, see, I think born in 45. I know he quit in 81. So he was, what, 35 or 36 when he quit stand-up. But he was like 30 and was already one of the greatest of all time. It is one of the more remarkable careers in entertainment ever is uh, Steve Martin. 670, the score is where you are. If you are late joining us uh, in the sports universe, you will know that the White Sox, you should know that the White Sox issued a statement saying that two players had tested positive for COVID-19. And that is, it's a very unfortunate. These players are, are choosing to remain anonymous. Uh, the White Sox are adhering to all MLB health and safe, safety protocols. And they, uh, they do not need to announce themselves, nor are they going to. I'm sure there'll be rampant speculation based on who is not on the field. Um, I don't think one of them is not Michael Kopech. He's not there for a different situation. And it's, uh, it's difficult and, and awkward to think about Michael Kopech's situation. I wish him the best. We don't know what it is. It's just personal. And I know he's just shared so much in the past. He shared so much in the past about about what he has gone through mentally and what he has gone through with anxiety. And I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of people um, who have those kind of issues and they've been exacerbated by this pandemic. It's it's very difficult. I know musicians who are starting to play very small, socially distant gigs. And I know other musicians who are absolutely terrified of doing anything like it and don't want to go out. And they're uh, they're they're completely entitled to it. And some bands will never get back together. And it's just, it's just, just what it is. It's a sad, it's a sad and awkward moment in, um, in, a, in our history. And we'll all remember living through it, assuming we do. Hey, good vibes, babe. Good vibes. All right, here's what I can do for you for good vibes. Um, first of all, get the Eloy crack of the bat ready and the Javier Baez crack of the bat ready. Please have those ready for me. Thank you, Sean Anderson. And then Eloy uh, with his uh, verbal excitement level about being back with his people. Please have all those things ready. You let me know when they are. As I tell you that Chris Kampka is going to join us next. And he was once described by Jason Benetti, I believe, as a smile wrapped inside a rainbow inside a brain or something to that effect. So um, please, as you get ready for Chris Kampka, hear uh, Javier Baez cracking a double, somebody calling two, 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 which may be a defensive player telling an outfielder where to throw the ball. And then you'll hear Eloy Jimenez taking some batting practice. And then you'll hear Eloy talking about his teammates. Then we break and then it's Chris Kampka on hit and run. feel great you know uh happy to be back in chicago happy to be back with my boys uh and uh feel like this um what happened around with all of this we with the pandemic we are still like 
happy, you know, like go out, work out, smile, and just work out hard, you know, like go out and feel that is really good for me. It's time to get ourselves Chris Cam connected right here on 670 to score. He is the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago and uh, a guy I love talking about baseball with just about more than anybody. Boy, this is a fun show today. This is what you do. This is what you do when you're not going to be getting access to players or managers or stuff because everything's kind of on lockdown and they're all going to do Zoom pretty much. That's going to be the drill. For a while here during summer camp. So you talk to some of your favorite people that you like to talk about the game with, be it Jason Benetti or Lynn Bramer or now Chris Kempka. Good morning, sir. How are you? And how about tying the room together? Yeah. So I think the last time I was on, or maybe you know, at least a couple weeks ago, yeah, I followed up Bronson Arroyo. Yep. And here's Benetti throwing out a Bronson Pincho line <laughs> with Balky's Don't Be Ridiculous. <laughs> yes, so. he is. And... And Benetti setting you up with the big Lebowski and then having the audacity to try to tie the whole room together himself when that is your gig, like a nice area rug, sir. Yeah, so I, you know, I went back and I took a look at the last two um, good comp, bad comps, right? So okay. we'll, we'll go back to uh, Old Hoss Radburn first. So you went with the Russian shovel, and I don't remember the name of it, and um, Benetti uh, yeah, it, was the, it was the JCS 534S um, uh, agricultural loader and shovel. Right. Yeah. And Benetti went with mass. And yes. um, quick and easy here. It has to be Benetti because unlike the Russian shovel, I actually have heard of mash. And I've definitely <laughs> heard of old Haas Radford. So and, and I'm going to offer my own cops for each of these two this please, week because please. it's easy for me to criticize. I should step up and come up with the uh, come up with my own. So my comp for Old Hoss Radburn, Old Hoss Radburn to me is like the WWE career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right, it was a very brief, considering how long these career, wrestling careers are, it's a pretty brief in-ring career, and he burned out pretty early due to injuries. Um, and Radburn the same. I mean, he had that big year where he won sixty games, but he kind of, you know, with with troubles and understandably so with how much use his arm had he burned out easily and um and both play, uh, both men were uh they gave the middle finger let's put it that way yeah. um Austin was known for that Radford was one of the first known ball ball players to give the finger in pictures there's some old pictures where he's kind of like sneaking it in behind so that's one of his that's part of his legacy um yeah. I mean, it's probably not the best copy. Hey, I'm I'm at least trying. Yeah, now you you are trying. Then what what do you got for Trout? Because Mike Trout is so, the best in the game at the age of 28. All right, so yeah, so you had Steve Martin, but Eddie had the Big Lebowski. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on this one here. Um, Point Spiegel, Steve Martin, maybe his career peaked before my time. But you definitely gave a good argument for it. Now, why I'm not going to side with the Big Lebowski because, um, unlike Mike Trout, the Big Lebowski's overrated, uh, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm going to go with Steve Martin on that. So one apiece. 
Um, and so my comfort trout is, now this is not going to be popular around here, I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers are a historically great team. Trout's a historically great player. Um, Trout was drafted late because he came from cold weather New Jersey, and the scouts don't like to go to the colder weather places. Green Bay, cold. Um, the Packers are good for about 9, 10 wins per year. And so is Mike Trout. Nine or ten wins. Above replacement. That's so. awesome. And I'll add to that that in the early, the earliest stages of the Super Bowl era, there was no disputing who the greatest team in the NFL was. I mean, they won the, they won the first two, and they rolled through the 60s uh, before that. So it just like Trout hitting the uh, league with a head of steam. Boom. There you go. So yes. Mike Trout, Green Bay Packers. This is why right, I'm the. This is why I'm the comper. You know, you've got, you're the stat diver and digger and anniversary reminder, and I'm I'm the elite comper here. Although I got to say, the Packers for Mike Trout is pretty damn good. Um, by the way, speaking of Bears, um, 22 years ago today, Mike Ditka sang the um, seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field, and why this is notable yes. is 22 years ago today, and it took him 22 seconds to sing it because he was out <laughs> of breath and he was in a rush to get there. Yeah, I believe he was at a golf outing of some kind and then caught in hellacious traffic on 9094 to get to Wrigley in time. And this is pre-elevator days, certainly pre-elevator by the press box level days. And he had to to basically sprint up the ramps. Uh, We have the sound of Mike Ditka singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game 22 years ago today. A one and a two and a three. Look, um, hey, Chris, that is not just a man hustling to get through it and being out of breath. That is a man with absolutely no sense of melody or rhythm or musical timing or, I believe, any kind of art at all. Like, I don't think Ditka knows anything about anything in, in that entire realm, and he was out of breath. Well, I, I've hustled up those ramps myself, and quite honestly... I can relate to, to Ditka there. I, you know, I feel bad for him. Uh, you know, it's a long way up there. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I would say about that is he went root, root, root for the home team, and I'm surprised the Wrigley crowd wasn't a little more upset with that. Yes. Uh, well, no, everybody was just too flummoxed by the, the horrendous, rushed, and um, incredibly memorable nature of uh, of ball game. Um, I love that you brought me there. Thank you for that. That is a baseball moment. Um, nice to hear some bat cracks at the ballpark the past couple of days <clears throat> and today. I don't know if we'll get more, but nice to hear it. I wish they had been playing yesterday on the 4th of July, Chris. I, I, I wish, wish they had gotten their labor act together and we were living through the first couple of days of a, of a, of a limited regular season. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I mean, the 4th of July is probably, you know, most likely um, they've White Sox and Cubs have played more games on that date than any other in their franchise history. Now, I haven't tried the entire list, but for for perspective, consider this. Uh, For the White Sox, they have played 110 games all-time on July 3rd. They played 114 games all-time on July 5th. 
in 180 games in 120 seasons on July 4th because uh, of all the doubleheaders. They played 62 doubleheaders on July 4th all time. Now, as for the Cubs, 117 games on July 3rd, 133 games on July 5th, and 223 games, including 83 doubleheaders on July 4th. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Textures, by the way, really enjoying the Ditka and remembering that game. One guy says he's right that the Cubs were down 5 nothing in the seventh in that game and then came back to win at 6-5 against the Pirates. So the Ditka, take me out of the ball game. <clears throat> is, uh, is, is an excellent uh, harbinger, of, uh, a harbinger of, of late inning success. And that poor accompanist, Gary Pressey, fighting for his life, trying to, trying to carry on on the organ there, Chris Kampka. Yeah, he was it. holding that one note as long as he possibly could. And <laughs> Steve Stone saying, hey, we're sorry, but we're going to have to sing. And then all of a sudden, oh, here he comes. So yeah. that, was a, that was a fine moment. Uh, absolutely. Um, anything else to tie the room together, sir? I love your work. I love your mind. Well, I mean, you, you brought in Jason Benetti with the George Costanza answering machine uh, from Seinfeld. Yeah. And Seinfeld premiered this day in 1989 as it happened. Wow. wow. Really? Man, yes. he got in. Good luck. He, he got in when the getting was good. And, whew, boy, there's a, I would urge people, if you're looking for a healthy conversation and you like the entertainment realm, to listen to Seinfeld and Mark Marin on WTF. Uh, from a couple weeks ago, because it's just a conversation about the inner workings of comedy and two very different comics styles as they uh, approach it. It's it's pretty cool stuff. This day in 1989, that's outstanding. Thank you, Chris. And you're you're the you best. Got it. You are the best. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. He's Chris Kampka, Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. Want to update you on a. A couple of things before we get out of here. Mark Grody's coming up next right after 12. Um, Russ Dorsey of the Sun-Times, brand new Sun-Times Cubs beat writer, Russell Dorsey, is going to join Mark Grody today along with Arthur Arkish. And you can hear that coming up just after me. Uh, Spiegel. Um, a couple things of note there. Sean Doolittle, whose wife is, uh, is, is at high risk and they've been an issue, says he's upset. They still don't have the PPE gear. That players are supposed to have. Andrew Miller, the lefty reliever of the Indians, still thinks there's doubt about whether there's going to be a season. By no way is it a slam dunk. And then an unbelievable photo of a man we've discussed a lot today, Mike Trout, the best player in the game, who is committed to trying to play and keep himself and his family healthy. Boy, that picture of him running the bases, about to round second base, it appears, while wearing a mask. That is one of the more indelible issues of this moment in baseball history, and it may be a brief one. We'll see. Folks, thanks for being here. Really enjoyed doing the show for you today. Thank you to Sean Anderson for a great job, as always. Thank you to Lynn Bramer, Jason Bonetti, and Chris Kampka. Stay safe, everyone, and enjoy your day. And I'll be uh, in tomorrow and all week long with Danny Parkins. If you are a Spiegel and Parkins guy, you'll get us 2-6 to six on 670 The Score. Have a great day.
Happy to be back in Chicago. Happy to be back with my boys. Hi, Mom. Hi, LA. Hi, Bob. This is for you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get out of here. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 